join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Little Oak Weekly. This is Andrew Bracewell. Today, we have a very interesting and riveting episode. To prep or not to prep? That is the question. Whether or not to become a personal real estate corporation while you have a real estate license is oftentimes a hot topic that we hear discussed uh, inside our brokerage and on various realtor forums. Joining me today, I have my personal accountant of over 18 years, Jeff Friesen from Grant Thort- Thornton. I think Grant Thornton is how you say it. Jeff is an incredible guy with a ton of knowledge. Um, he works with a and has worked with a number of high-level agents for many years. He was around long before Prex became an option within the industry, and so he was a part of the transition of many agents making that move, and he has, like I said, um, helped a number of agents for many years uh, manage um, and account for successful real estate practices. So Jeff's a very knowledgeable guy on the topic. We get into some other topics as well around tax planning, given that we're coming into that type of season and uh, do's and don'ts in your tax strategies and um, you know, write-offs and, and a variety of uh, related topics for people like ourselves who are business for self and uh, dealing with these things on a day-to-day basis. So uh, great conversation here. Um, I think it's you know obviously not sales-related, maybe a little bit drier than some, but Jeff's a very uh, well-thought-out thinker And there's a lot of valuable information in this. So hope you enjoy the conversation with Jeff Friesen. Hey, Andrew. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, Were you going to try that uh, other number that I gave you? Oh, (laughs) that's awesome. I'll do the other number. I totally forgot to call that one. I'll phone you right back on that number. No worries. Oops. Let's call the right number. Basic instructions, Bracewell. Basic instructions. Here we go. Calling Jeff Reason on the proper number. There we go. You know, that's actually, there could not be a better intro to this conversation because, you know, you gave me very basic <laughs> instructions and, and I didn't follow them. <laughs> Gee, this seems, this seems vaguely reminiscent of many conversations <laughs> totally. we've had, Andrew. <laughs> no idiot i said put this much money aside not that much yeah i i don't know that i've ever called you an idiot i, I may have said uh you know sir or you know my uh, friend okay but I don't so know that I've ever we said have idiot. to we have to make an agreement that there's no bullshit allowed in this call okay so okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be deadly oh, honest. Okay, in- I, I have called you an idiot. That's, in- that's incredible that you gave me one thing to do and I didn't call the right number. That is, I just, I don't know. It's amazing. There's no better way to start this conversation than something like that. <laughs> so thank you for doing this. Um, oh, you're we welcome. are we are we are live and recording. So all of that is recorded, and that is definitely going to be in because that's just fantastic. <laughs> well, Andrew, it's it's a privilege to do this with you. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I, I have been, uh, you know. A little bit nervous about it because uh, anytime you're recording something, you think, "Oh, it's going to be there forever." But uh, I'm excited to do this with you. Well, um, we, don't worry. We're going to give. We're going to actually. We can do it. Actually, no. We're not going to give disclaimers yet. First of all, I was going to say we're going to give all the disclaimers in the world. So we're going to tell everybody to you know get their own advice and blah 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 blah. But this is going to be 
Very, very valuable information for uh, everybody in our brokerage and even some listeners outside the brokerage because uh, this is we're coming into tax season and uh, yeah. and there's there's a lot of you know hot topic questions that um, that get yeah. kicked around this time of year and then obviously we're going to dive into the whether or not to prep crash question um, yeah. which is going to be great but before we do that I thought. We got to start a little bit with like your background, your lineage, who you are, what you've done in your career, and you know what puts you in a position of authority of authority to have this conversation today. So, can we start with that, and you kind of just give a little bit of background on who you are? Sure. Um, well, if we go way back, uh, you and I have known each other for almost forever. Uh, as young boys, we uh, we hung out. Well, together. we don't don't get into that. Don't get into that oh, part. Okay. So, I mean, like, what makes you a good accountant? <laughs> Not that stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I entered the world of accounting in uh, in 1992 as a student uh, into the firm that my father had at that time. Uh, grew in that firm, got my designation, and uh, and eventually became a partner together with my father and another gentleman, John Pancraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, our firm grew over the years. Um, we added another partner, Sandy Tawana, um, uh, in 2010. And then in 2013, my dad decided uh, it was time to retire and step away. So we've been having a, uh, a number of transitions over the years. And then in late 2019, our firm, our local firm of Friesen Pancrats, joined the firm of Grant Thornton, which is a national firm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have been working together with them ever since. I have the great privilege of working with a, a number of realtors in town. And, and I, I can tell you, I think they're the best realtors around, but you know, that's just my opinion. And uh, actually helped uh, one of those realtors was one of the first, if not the first prex to ever incorporate when that became available many years ago. Huh. Okay. So yeah. So this is why so yeah, you've you've I should, maybe it goes without saying, but you've journeyed with me on my entire real estate career from uh, 2003 onward, and um, yeah, and I mean we're not going to mention names, obviously, but you've journeyed with a number of agents through the beginning to latter stages of their career, and then you've walked out this prep conversation, which I think did that start around 2009 or something? Is that when we were able to start becoming preps? You know, Andrew. The years start to flow together after a while, but it would have been around <laughs> about around that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What is the um, just a little nitpicky detail thing? I've I've never probably never asked this question, or maybe I did, but is, do we still have like CA and CGA designations, or is that gone mm-hmm. now? What's the story there? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question. Uh, for many years in the whole accounting world, there was CGAs, CAs, and CMAs. And uh, quite a few years ago uh, now, they all came together under the banner of a CPA. Oh, CPA. It, so that's an, okay. CPA. So nobody's a CA or CGA anymore. No, if you look behind my, my uh, name, it says CPA, CGA. I, uh, for the first 10 years of this transition, you have to indicate kind of your lineage, your history. Mm-hmm. And then that will eventually get dropped and everybody will simply have CPA behind their name. Got it. Okay. Okay. So we've established that you're, Credible and intelligent, and have first <laughs> first hand. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of accountants, and I've talked to a number of accountants who, like, you know, they they're, they're they could be very good in their craft, but they actually don't, for whatever reason, have first hand knowledge uh, working with real estate agents. And mm, so, yeah. and and that is a you know that, that's its own unique thing. I'm not trying to make it sound like we're certainly not the most sophisticated bunch in the world, but it's a it's a unique thing, and so. 
you've got um you've had a front row seat for you know upwards of 20 years uh with a number of different you know prominent agents in the fraser valley market so i, I think that does put you in a, in a unique chair um and so that's why that's why you're the guy to have the conversation with not to mention we're coming into tax season so we're going to kick that's going to be our two main points of conversation today is you know how to prac, why to prac, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yep. and then some basic, you know, hot button topics around the tax season, all designed to give people great information to, uh, to manage their financial lives better, hopefully. Cool. What's the appropriate disclaimer that we need to say right now so that, you know, you don't ever find yourself in hot, hot water because somebody says, <laughs> well, I listened to this podcast and Jeff Friesen yep. said this. What, what do we need to say? I, I think I would put it this way. Every situation is unique. What we're going to talk about today are some generalities, but but when it comes down to your situation, whatever we're talking about, you really need to talk to your advisor, your tax advisor, to ensure that these uh, these topics uh, are applicable to you, that the conditions are your conditions, and we have to always look at general terms here. So we're going to be talking general terms, but when it comes to specifics, talk to your your accountant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the value of having your own accountant is when stuff does go sideways, then you can blame your accountant, as I've done with you for you know eighteen years. <laughs> but you just have to be in contract to be able to do that. So go get your own co- accountant that you can blame when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and when things go wrong in real estate, I blame you. So yeah, there we go. Perfect. Hey, you know what? It's a good arrangement. It's totally a good arrangement. <laughs> Uh, okay. So let's, let's start off with, I, I thought like, how am I going to, like, what's the first question to ask here to kind of kick off the conversation? So this is, th- this is what I came up with. How would someone know if they should even begin to start thinking about going from non prac to prac? Hmm. You know, that is a great question. I think sometimes, uh, what happens is people look at how much commission they're earning mm-hmm. as as that breaking point. And I want to get people's eyes off of, if I can use the term top line, how much commission you got coming in the door and move your eyes to what profit do I have from my business? Because really what it comes down to is, is if you are killing more than you eat, if you are making more money than you need or want to live on, mm-hmm. it's time to talk about incorporating a prep. Um, that boils down to tax rates. If you're unincorporated and you made a bunch of money this year, you're looking back and saying, I made money and I've, I've got money in a savings account. I have money that I didn't need or want to live on. You're going to pay marginal, personal marginal rates on that income, even though you might have just set it aside for some other purpose. Um, whereas if you have a company, you're going to pay tax on that at corporate rates, which are considerably lower. So. Okay, so that way, not your top line, but let me your just, bottom line. Let me, let me, let me, like, we're an unsophisticated group here. So let me break this down really, <laughs> like, we're going to go grade three language. So I, what you're saying is, is, so first of all, we can't say, because sometimes people go like, well, if you're making around 250 or 300 grand, that's when you should start to no. think about it. And, and you've just blown up that theory, because what you're saying is, is you can have an individual who's grossing 600 grand, but if they're spending every dime yep. or nearly every dime, yep. then it still is going to be no benefit. Correct? Correct. Yes, and, uh, you, you're exactly right. And then what is the, so when we start to talk about now, now this is the part that I know it becomes um, a bit tricky uh, because there's escalating tax levels on the personal side. Mm-hmm. But, but when, when a, you know, if, if you've got somebody who's 
I mean, just for sake of the conversation, let's say they've they've got roughly 50 grand left over that we can say, okay, that was profit where, you know, you didn't spend that. And yep. then, you know, they've, in the money they've paid themselves out from f- throughout the year, they've hit or they're bumping up against the top tax bracket personally, which is what? What is the top tax bracket right now? Um, 50, 53.5%. <laughs> I just about yeah. threw up my breakfast. So, so, <laughs> so 50, so fi- you're giving away 50 cents of every dollar. So now, yes. what we're really saying is that of that leftover 50 grand in a, in the personal tax bracket, you're losing $25,000, correct? Um, so you're saying if, if you're paying tax at that top rate and you had $50,000 left over, how much could you save? Well, the difference is between 53% uh, that you're paying on that money. And if you had in the company, you're paying 12%. Right. So, I'm, so what I was establishing is 40%. that in, in the personal side, you're yeah. going to lose 50 cents on the dollar. And yeah. now, right now you're saying corporate tax rate and we can 12%. get into 12, and, th- and that is maxed out. I mean, that does get ma- that does get maxed out, um, which we don't necessarily need to talk about that. I, I mean, unless you want to. I mean, there is a max that a person can can earn before that the tax rate changes corporately, correct? But that's a ne- yeah. now you're getting to much bigger net dollars. Yeah, and 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 let's just put it really simply for your for your folks here. There's there's generally two tax brackets for a private corporation. The first five hundred thousand dollars of profit you make in a corporation taxed at the low rate of 12%. Mm-hmm. Everything above there is taxed at about 27%. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. So that kind of establishes the, so, you know, you've got to have money left over um, to even start having the conversation. So back to the question, we said, how would someone know if they should, should prec? And, and you started by saying, well, take your eye off the gross revenue and put your eye to the net revenue. Um, yep. But there are added costs that come with mm-hmm. operating and maintaining a company, which is what yep. we're doing. So can you walk us through things like setting it up, ongoing maintenance costs, things like that? Yeah. So uh, before I do that, Andrew, I'm going to just come back to your other question. You oh, said yeah. You do you whatever. Have, you, you go anywhere you want. Totally. <laughs> you said if you have $50,000 of if you're at the top tax bracket of 53%, and you said, I got $50,000 left over at the end of the year that I didn't need or want to live on, how much could I have saved if I was incorporated? Roughly speaking, it's almost $21,000. Right, because you're basically um, doing the math between uh, 12% yep. and the 53%, 53% on, yep. on, the, uh, on the 50 grand. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So the reason that that helps us is because I think that, that when you look at incorporation, obviously you have to say, this move has to put money in the realtor's genes, in your genes, not just accountants and lawyers' genes. And, and that's really important. That we have to look at the, what are the costs going to be for me to move from unincorporated to incorporated, the one-time costs? Mm-hmm. And then what are going to be the costs on an ongoing basis? Mm-hmm. Um, if you looked at it on an ongoing basis, you're going to have, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a higher, you know. Yeah, yeah, generalize the numbers. The numbers. Yeah, Obviously, generalize. you can't, yeah. Three to four thousand dollars a year to keep your company up, um, uh, corporate tax return, financial statements, uh, mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. uh, done with the accountant. Probably close to four to five hundred dollars a year to have a lawyer look after the annual filings for you for your company. So you know you're anywhere from thirty-five to forty-five hundred dollars a year if you look at it that way in maintenance costs. Yeah, and then on the real estate licensing side, and you don't, you maybe don't know yep. this, but you would see it is that we have as yep. if we operate as prex, 
uh, within the, the real estate industry, we basically have double the licensing fees yep. through our board. I mean, you yep. see that on my, on my yep. line items. So it, it's probably like, I want to, I want to say that it's, it's like, we're probably pushing what eight grand a year, something like that. When you look at all the light added licensing and everything. You know, I, I, I've never broken down your licensing costs, so I, I don't know what they are when you double them up like but that. But you said between, you between the accounting and the, and the legal, I think you said what, 45, something like that. Yeah, so it's it it'd be darn close. It'd be darn close to eight grand, um, because we're we're basically they treat you like two people. Like if I got a licensing yeah. cost that's fifteen hundred dollars, it would normally be fifteen hundred dollars, and they go, oh, it's three grand because you got your yeah. prec and then you got the human. And I yeah. mean, you know, we can argue whether there's logic in that, but but that is just the reality. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to do it that way, if you worked your way backwards and said, how how much my extra money do I have to make in any given year just to cover my cost? You know. Twenty thousand dollars at uh, the difference between corporate rates and top marginal rates is about eighty three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So, even if you're at a spot where you say I got twenty thousand dollars left over, that would cover all of my costs here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In just covered in the tax savings alone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. The real benefit of this. So we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into some some things around you know what you can and can't do with a company. But yeah, I just want to yeah. um, say. You know, I, I'll throw this out there for you to, um, you know, agree with or disagree with. But I want to say this: like, I think what people do sometimes in this conversation is they look at this with a very narrow scope, and they look at one year, and they go, yeah. they go, okay, well, it's like you know, it's eight grand a year, and I'm only gonna, it's only gonna save me ten grand, and that's kind of a pain in the ass to go through. But mm-hmm. if you look at your career on a on a ten to twenty year scope, yeah. and you start to do the math, like, is it like I'm going to say that you have seen like seven figure savings amongst many of your oh, clients over time. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly, Andrew, uh, I would agree with you completely on that. And, and here's, here's something else. You're going to have a whole bunch of unincorporated realtors that are going to get the, to the end of this year. So they're 2021 year and they go see their accountants and they're getting their taxes done <laughs> and they're going to have a hard swallow this year. Yeah, and, and the yeah. problem with this is we look to incorporate after we have a banner yeah. year. We go, oh my, I should have incorporated. I better get this done. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, the right time to incorporate was a couple of years ago, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Yeah, and so uh, I would agree when you have to when you look at it over many years, the benefits are significant. Yeah, but that brings us to a question of. Well, what do I do if I make extra money in my corporation? Right. I don't need it out of the corporation to live on and I mm-hmm. leave it behind. Now what do I do? And you you let into that a bit. Yeah. So so there I you can we can go in whatever order you want here. Like there's there's a conversation around what is the difference between a prac and a regular limited company in the mm-hmm. eyes of the government? And like there's limited, mm-hmm. you know, there's that. And then there's the piece, okay, there's, so I've got this extra 50 grand or 100 grand sitting here. Yeah. What would be the difference it's sitting there versus sitting in my, you know, having not done a prec and where I could move that money and how that would all work? So why don't I just let you take that wherever you want to start? So um, when, you, when you incorporate a prec, we have to be aware that the prec is restricted on what it can do. You can run your real estate business. A prec cannot own rental properties or do property development. Um, which are things that realtors often are involved in because you guys just see what's going on in the market and you have those opportunities come. Yep. And so often what happens in the conversation with a prec is 
we get to that spot where we say, so, the, so I've got money left behind and I paid this nice low corporate tax rate on it, Jeff, that's great. Now what do I do with that cash? And that leads us very quickly to, should we also look at setting up a holding company for you? Which would, if we structure this right, you would make money in the prep, you mm-hmm. would pay corporate tax at 12%, mm-hmm. you'd take what's left over. Again, if we've got this structured correctly between the companies, you'd move it from there to your holding company, and then you do your investing, because that holding company is permitted to do that kind of investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now back to, I, so I've been in conversations around this with people, and this is one of the objections that that you know I'll hear sometimes, they'll go, oh, okay, so it's actually more cost than you talked about because really what you're saying is now you got to set up two companies in order mm-hmm. to be able to do anything mm-hmm. with the money which yep. is true right because we're, what we're saying is is we're, we got the money in the prac but we there's nothing that we can physically do with the prac outside of the bounds of the real estate you know what, what yep. your real estate license allows you to do correct uh, correct like you're not yep. holding property in it you're not you're not doing anything so yep. you need to have another company to move the money in you really do. Um, and of course, then people say, oh, Jeff, you just said the accounting costs and the legal costs. Now we got to double that. So I understand that, um, that that is a concern for people. But here's the other way to look at it. If you had $100,000 left over, mm-hmm. let's step away from your 50000 left over. If you had $100,000 left over at the end of the year, you paid 53% tax on that at top rates. You are now investing what you have left over after paying tax is 47 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. If you had that money in a company, you'd pay 12% tax and you'd have 88% left over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you now have the advantage of a bigger pot of money to do your investing. Yeah. And again, back to the earlier point, you know, so if we do the math and say, okay, well, what's the difference between having 88 cents and 47 cents? Um, we got 40, well, 40, 41 cents. And 41 taken out over 10 years, 15-year career, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I mean, yeah. the, the numbers start to get into the hundreds and hundreds uh, of thousands pretty quick. The, the other thing that people will often talk about that they would say, you know, this concerns me about incorporating is if you earn rental income inside a company, it's mm-hmm. actually slightly more expensive if you look at the income tax. It's actually slightly more expensive to have rental income in a company than in your personal hands. Um, but I think when you look at it in the long term, over a number of years, the ability to accumulate wealth in a company to invest that after-tax corporate dollars instead of after-tax personal dollars more than makes up for the difference. And that's because the passive income that is earned, we're not talking about capital gains. We're talking about the, the, nope. the income portion, correct? Yeah, and the the passive income within the within the bounds of a limited company is a higher tax rate than passive income viewed uh, held in a personal name. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, slightly more. Yeah. Has has that 2%. not like I mean some of these things? I mean in the <laughs> in my 18 years, these rules change with government, right? You get oh, yeah. uh, you get yeah. variations, you get whatever different, uh, you know, you get conservative, liberal, whatever, different leaders, and then the rules. So you can't make a plan that is going to be the right plan forever because tax law changes. So, um, yeah, I, I've had, yeah, th- that just is what it is. You make a plan sometimes and you got to shift halfway through because of that. Oh yeah. Um, we have probably seen more changes in the last five years in corporate taxation than we saw in the preceding 20. Right. There's been so many shifts in 
in tax rules uh, in the last five years that it's been a challenge um, for any practitioner out there just trying to keep up with those changes and then help clients adjust their structure and their planning mm-hmm. to get those those changes. Mm-hmm. If you had come and sat down with me uh, 10 years ago and said, should we incorporate a PREC? One of the benefits that I would have told you about 10 years ago, I said, well, if we do that, we can also look at how we can split income with other family members. Yeah. Those, the rules surrounding splitting income have been changed greatly starting in January, 2018. Mm-hmm, uh, they mm-hmm. changed those rules and restricted income splitting with family members to, to a large extent. So those benefits of a PREC are greatly restricted. Now that wasn't, was that just, that wasn't just a PREC conversation where that change was made. That was a, that was a farther reaching uh, oh, yeah. legislation that went across every industry with, with income splitting, yeah. correct? Correct. Yeah. It wasn't, they, they weren't targeting PRECs. I mean, if you want to, if you want to be really uh, direct about it, they were targeting in, in the legislation actually at one point list um, doctors, dentists, accountants, lawyers, chiropractors, veterinarians. Right. Um, they, they specifically targeted that group and then they cast a slightly bigger net in parts of this legislation that talk about businesses where 90% or more of your income is from services. Hmm. Right. Um, and Which is what grabs real, real estate agents. Exactly. Realtors, financial, yeah. uh, financial advisors, IT consultants, those guys. Uh, yeah. It'll caught them all. Yeah. 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 Okay. So... What about um, I? Here's a question. I, I as I was thinking through this, I I don't even know what the answer to this is. So I'm actually kind of curious to find out again. I'm sure we've talked about it in the past, but when a person is looking to um, you know find things that they can write off within the the confines of their business operations, is there advantages? Like, are you able to do more by? having that prec where it would be challenging to write some of those things off if you were not um, a company? Uh, I think that, I think what we'd look at there, Andrew, is we talk, we would talk about the general deductibility rule in the income tax act, which says if you, if you lay out an expense to help you earn income, it should be deductible. That is true. Whether you're unincorporated, a proprietorship, or you're in a prec that, that general rule does not change. Obviously, there are some things that are different in a corporation than in a proprietorship, but for the most part, you're going to find that the expenses you can deduct when you weren't incorporated are very similar and can be deducted when you are incorporated. There's- <laughs> I'm smiling right now as you're answering this because I'm reminded of conversations that you and I have had over the years where I'm going, yeah, yeah, no, Jeff, that that's okay. We can write that off. <laughs> you're going... I mean, we can, but if we get audited, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. The expenses you can write off, Andrew. Let's. We don't want to talk about those. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I was as I was thinking about this. Uh, one of the things that came to mind for me was when you think about deducting expenses, people often think about deducting expenses like uh, like speeding. Right. You know, you're going to leave, leave the office and go to, I don't know, Cactus Club for lunch, and you go 70 in a 50 zone, and you get to Cactus Club, and you say, oh, look, I just got away with speeding. I know you wouldn't do that, but some people might. <laughs> but the reality is, you, people stop at that point, and, and they, don't, they don't get to Cactus Club and think, hey, I guess the speeding limit is now 70. It's not 50 anymore, because I just drove 70 when I got here, so it must be 70. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when people file their tax returns, I'll have people come in and say, uh, Jeff, I've been deducting this expense here for years and years and years. 
it must be okay. CRA must be okay with this. Otherwise, they would have said something. Sure. Well, no, that's not really the case. If you go through an audit and CRA is okay with it, that's a different story. Um, If you simply deduct expenses because you think you should be able to and you don't get caught, you don't get stopped by the police, if you will, that doesn't mean it's okay. It just means you got away with it. You, um, using that big caution. Yeah, not using that story or that analogy. Um, the the police do not have the ability to go back and retroactively give you tickets <laughs> for seven years for every time that <laughs> yeah, you spent. <exactly. laughs> yep. Whereas CRA, yep. what are the so what is the confines uh, then with CRA and auditing? I've actually so I don't know if you remember, but I've been through a spot audit with you and I've also been through a, uh, it wasn't actually a business audit. Remember years ago, I had a rental, uh, rental property audit with you and uh, we did really well actually in that audit. Um, But what's the, you're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, you're welcome. I'm amazing. Okay. Uh, um, But uh, what did, what are the confines of how far they, is it seven years? I always hear seven years. Can they go back seven years? Is that the way it works? So, um, when you look at a basic audit, it's, you know, basically the rules are they can go back three years to look at anything. Okay. They can go back and up to seven years if they can, they can prove gross negligence or fraud. Right. Okay. Which so would that, be repeatedly a, driving to cactus at 70 kilometers an hour. <laughs> yeah. But, but the bar of gross negligence or fraud is a, is a fairly strong bar, I guess is what I would say. Um, Grossly negligent is not just, I was doing 60 in a 50 zone. Grossly negligent is, you know, I'm doing 220 in a 50 zone. Yeah. Uh, or, or you were intentionally being fraudulent, as in, I, I was misclassifying expenses because I knew if I put it down as X, you guys would see it and deny it. Uh-huh. So I buried it somewhere else. That's, that's fraudulent. Um, so for most people, most honest folks who are filing their tax return, doing their best, Putting through legitimate expenses, um, it's it's a three year audit period. Okay, so I want to touch on I want to I want to pull out some of what I think are like the the best and most um, common gray area conversations in this in in in, in, in this. <laughs> I can I can feel sure. you I can feel you shifting in your seat right now. Um, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. You're going to make me talk about all the gray areas. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, no, great. I just, here's what I want to do. I want to, I, I want to draw out, because here's the thing. There's, there's the black and white CRA interpretation on things, which, yeah. and I think that there's like a lack of understanding in, and, in, and I'm, I'm only using myself as an example. Like, you know, for, as I've, over the last, you know, 18 years, I've, things have changed, rules have changed, standards have changed. And then, you know, just because CRA makes a change on how they view something doesn't mean that the common public knows that. And then you've got habits within your life where you're doing things or whatever. And then you find out only because, you know, one day your accountant's pushing back on you in a boardroom and you're going, what do you mean? I've been doing this for seven years. It is what it is. So, um, so I want to talk about meals. I want to talk about, uh, I don't like to use the word clothes. I like to use the word uniform. Um, (laughs) and I want to talk about vehicles. Uh, so, so these are just, I mean, you know, this, this is some of the, 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 uh, the gray area conversations. And so I just want to get through some of the black and white on this. So like, as an example, let's go to meals. So meals, I know years ago, meals used to be like, I take you out for lunch and I get the receipt and you're a client of mine or whatever. And I, you know, I write it off. I write the whole thing off that that was the way it used to be. And 
That is, so what is, give me the, the definition from CRA on meals and, and things of that nature today. Um, leading into this conversation, I think it touched on something that's kind of important before we, before we talk about meals. There is, there is what does the legislation say? What does the Income Tax Act say? Right. How does CRA interpret that? So they will, they will actually send out publications and, and in, um, what they call tax folios saying, this is our view on these items. And then there is, well, when this went to court and some taxpayer stood in front of a judge and CRA was accusing them of something, right. what did the judge say? Right. The judge that would be case law, law, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So sometimes when we, you look on the internet, what you find is CRA's view, and that's not necessarily what, that's not the only way to interpret sure. the legislation. And you have to look beyond that at what is case law and what is the actual uh, legislation say in these cases. Sure. Um, and, and so when you get to meals, uh, here's the big concept in meals. Um, feeding yourself, whether you're out with a client or not, is really not deductible. There, and that, was the, that was the shift though, right? Because that was yeah. not always the case. Well, they, they've mucked around with the percentage of, of the deductibility of meals over the years. And, sure. And, but for the, for the last number of years, and, and that's a good number of years, it's been 50%. So you go out with a client for lunch, you, you can pay for that meal out of your business, but you only get to deduct 50% of it. Right. Because whatever you put in your mouth is deemed to be your responsibility, not your business's yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, there are, so meals and entertainment are kind of in that category. You take your client to a Canucks game. Let's put it this way. If, if some realtor took their accountant to a Canucks game, like somebody could do that, right? I don't know who would in the world I, would do I, that. No, 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 but, but if, but if you had a really generous realtor that did that for their account, right, right. that would that's also only fifty percent deductible. If that realtor had an accountant that didn't always want to talk about tax, you know that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other the other thing that I want to throw in there, Andrew, um, something that's common with realtors is: listen, I, I had a client that um, worked with them, and I, I wanted to buy them a gift, so I got them a, a gift card yes. to a restaurant. Yes. Um, Gift cards to a restaurant are considered a meal, and those are only 50% deductible as well. See, and people don't, I think people are buying these things and they don't know that. I think they think that they're writing the whole yeah. thing off. And because yeah. it, it, you know, the, yeah, anyways, I don't need to drag that that on, but, well, but that and is. Let's be fair. Let's be fair to the accountants out there. You, you buy some of these things and, and your bookkeeper posts them to, uh, you yeah. know, Advertising and promotion. Yeah. Um, let's be fair to your accountant. He's not looking through every line of every item that you did in the year. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very possible that he's not aware of the fact that those gift cards were for for a, a restaurant, and he doesn't correctly back them out. He or she, you know, back them out correctly. Um, you know, that's not necessarily their fault when you can't look at every transaction that your client brings in. Let, let, let me let me take this. Let me further tiptoe into the mud here for a second. <laughs> Um, oh, great. don't worry. We're holding hands. We're doing it together. Okay, um, oh, great. so, uh, realtor throws a client party, yeah. uh, client party consists like predominantly of food and booze and whatever, and spends $6,500. Uh, you know, there's 75 people at the party or whatever. How yeah. is that classified and how is that looked at? Yeah. Um, these are, if, if really what you're spending the money on is, is food. 
then you're looking at it as saying it's got to be 50% deductible. Yeah, we know that the um, agent didn't eat and drink $3,500 of food and alcohol in that event. I know. Unfortunately, eh? I, I, I use that idea of 50% saying you can only, you're only, can't deduct what you're feeding yourself. But the concept of meals and entertainment being 50% deductible really isn't based on how much did I eat versus how much did my client eat. Mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. there's the general rule. Mm-hmm. There are some meals and entertainment events that can be 100% deductible. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of them that we commonly see is if you threw a Christmas party for all of your staff yes. or an event for all of your staff and yes. they were all invited, that is 100% deductible. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think CRA would view your clients or your customers as in the same way as they do your employees. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's, different this is what i mean by getting into the gray people can interpret things differently and people will put these under this will be a different line item on somebody's tax return or whatever and you don't know on some of these things until you're standing in an audit one day defending it is that fair yeah it is very likely that in an audit these are the things they're going to look at yeah Um, we've seen a lot of uh, interest and attention recently by cra on travel meals, vehicles. Mm-hmm. Those those are things. And that's been, historically, that's been the case, but I've seen an increase in that in just the last little while. Travel's an interesting one. Um, concept of a uh, shareholders meeting that involves yeah. travel. Uh, yeah. Or, or or not even that, whatever. You travel to, uh, you go to a conference and you've got yeah. a prec and your spouse is with you and you go to a conference and you're at a hotel and you're eating out and doing all those things. Is that, um, how does that get looked at? Because these are the kind of things that CRA likes to look at. I'm always cautious with people in this area to say, listen, um, if you went to a conference, you can deduct your your conference fees, your registration fees for that conference. Mm -hmm. Um, You can deduct your hotel room. If there's flights, you um, you can deduct flights. What you shouldn't be deducting is the flight for your spouse to come. Uh, meals, whether they're at a conference or anywhere else, are still only 50% deductible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about the gun range in Vegas? Can we deduct that? <laughs> uh, did you take me with you or just, just all by yourself? <laughs> no, no, you're at this one. You're at you're at this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm probably a better shot than you. I'll just be tell care- you that. <laughs> be careful with this answer because this may be on one of my tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Andrew, I, I always... I always get uh, very careful with people when we when we start talking about these kinds of things, because this is exactly the kind of thing that CRA wants to look for. Items that really have no business purpose that are in a company and and the punishment, if you will, the the downside can be as harsh as double taxation. Mm -hmm. So you go to the gun range, you stick it in there, say, hey, this is part of my uh, this was part of the conference I had in Vegas. Um, I, I took a bunch of guys who went to the gun range, and uh, and I'm going to deduct that. And CRA can come along and go back to that same concept. How did this help you produce income? Mm-hmm. Well, um, if they decide that didn't help you produce income, they will deny the expense in the company. Okay, so there's corporate tax. Okay, mm-hmm. and then they'll turn to you and say, "Listen, Andrew, that that money that the company paid for this thing for you that was really personal. So we'd like to add that that amount to your personal income as well." Because you took that out of the company and didn't pay tax on it. So you just got smashed on both sides. 
So these are the kind of things where you really want to be drawing a line in there between business and personal. So, uh, okay, we'll do one more gray conversation. Well, we, we talked meals, travels. I, 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 do you want to talk about vehicles or clothes and uniform? Maybe we should talk about vehicles because vehicles is an interesting one, right? And I think vehicles is probably more pertinent and, and a bigger bigger piece of the pie for many realtors. I mean, basically, the, the, the general thing on clothing and uniform is like, don't try it, right? Like like that, yeah. like there's no, I mean, you, you can get stuff and put you, if you're, if you're buying a branded sweatshirt that says, you know, that, that has, you know, Remax on it or whatever, that's different than running your regular clothing shopping yeah. experience through your, uh, through your company. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, you know, CRA expects you to come to work clothed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's probably been a long time since you've shown a house bare naked. Um, I tried it once. It was interesting. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> well, no, actually, ironically enough, we did the deal. It just got awkward a couple yeah. times. <laughs> so, so sign here. Where? Yourself. Where are you? Where are you signing here? Okay, weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness! How did I know this was going to at some point degrade into? You this? did it. You you did it. I didn't. Go, you led. I followed you. So it is what it is now. We're here. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you think about uniforms, you got it. Clothing yourself is not a business expense. Yeah. It, it's a personal expense. If you have branded logoed stuff, is that any different than the uniform that the curator guy uh, wears? Um, probably not. I think this is one of those situations where if you're reasonable, if mm-hmm. you had branded logoed items and it was a reasonable amount in the year, you might have CRA ask the question. They might want to see the receipt, which is very common. Yeah. Um, it's possible that they still throw it out. But if you bought yourself a couple jackets for you and your associates and, and some other stuff, um, probably uh, they may just accept that. But if you're saying, hey, everything I buy, all my clothing is is deductible because I have right. to buy this nice clothing and look good. Mm-hmm. Um, many years ago, I I, I uh, did some work for a a band, and mm-hmm. uh, and they would they would purchase uh, stage clothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So so that even gives you know almost a broader sweep to this. You say, well, okay, what's stage clothing and does that fit? And uh, and one time I'm looking through the receipts for the stage clothing, and, and there's a bunch of Lacenza receipts in there. <laughs> Hey, you know what? They're allowed to dress how they want to dress. It's if, if that's how they're performing, that's how they're performing. So you know, little little conversation with the guy. He's like, "Oh, sorry, that that was not for the stage clothing. That was for something else, Jeff." Okay, so we're going to kick that out. But you know, be reasonable. Sure. Uh, yeah. Be very careful on uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go to vehicles. let's. Oh, via, what what did we say? We oh yeah, vehicles. We didn't touch vehicles. We got to hit vehicles. Yeah. You know, if there was one thing I could say to people about vehicles, um, no matter whether you're incorporated or unincorporated, the big thing is logbook. And nobody wants to hear that from their accountant. It's like going to the dentist and they say, did you floss? Nobody wants to hear that. Um, But the reality is when it comes down to vehicles, a logbook becomes crucial in substantiating those deductions that you want to take. Um, the last couple of years, I've been using an app called Mile IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a bit costly. I think it's like eighty bucks a year for this app, but it's but it's great. Um, it 
It runs in the background on your phone. It logs every time you drive at all. It, it makes a log from when you start to when you stop. It shows it on a map so you can see where they go to and from. You can name those locations. So you could, you know, go in there and say the Remax office. That's the Remax office. It doesn't doesn't say, um, you know, on Bevan Street or whatever. Sure. It, it The other thing that it'll do for you is if there are places that you habitually go to, right. you can say, oh, that trip, that one's always business. The rest of the trips that it logs for you, it's a bit like uh, like a Tinder app for your phone. You you go and say, this yeah, <laughs> that it's, is amazing. It's, it's, it's a swipe left or swipe right. Right. It, it's sure. business, swipe one way. If it's personal, swipe the other way. And it's just classifying all these. And at the end of the month, it'll send you an Excel spreadsheet. Perfect segue because I wanted to get it in Tinder with you. So that was that was a great <laughs> great segue. <laughs> yeah, okay. great. Hy- now, hypothetical, hypothetical question. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> That's amazing. So that okay, I just looked this up. I'm looking at this on my computer right now. I first of all, why as my accountant, why have you never told me about this app? I don't know about this app, Andrew. Andrew. Oh, you I have told, told you me, and that. I didn't listen. I told you about it. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So um, it looks great, actually. That's very, because yeah. uh, there's no yeah. way, like, I mean, who's writing a logbook in their car? No, like, that's ridiculous. But no. if you've got this thing running automatically, so then what it's doing, I, I'm, I'm guessing, like, you know, so throughout the year you go, it does the math that goes, oh, okay, uh, 63% of the use of your car was business. Yep. Yep. And then that's just, you just, that's how you write the car off. Is that right? Yeah. So on a, on a proprietorship, really what you're looking at is um, you take all of the costs to operate your vehicle, all of your gas, all of your repairs, all of your insurance, um, all of that. You think of that in one lump. And then based on that logbook, you say, listen, 63, 70% of my driving was business. Mm-hmm. I can write off 70% of all of those various expenses mm-hmm. on my personal tax return against my income. Mm-hmm. That's how it works when you're unincorporated. When you're incorporated, it's a little different. Keep going. I'm, I was going to ask a question, okay. but keep going. Yeah. Okay. When you're incorporated, the company would own the vehicle yeah. and the company pays for all of those expenses. And then based on those kilometers and the, the, the type of vehicle you have, there is something called a taxable benefit that you get applied. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially what we're saying is, hey, the company owns the vehicle, but you got to use it personally. That we're going to consider a taxable benefit, and you're going to pay some personal tax on that benefit. Right. Yeah. So if the cost if the cost to run the vehicle in a month, just for easy math, was a thousand bucks, and seventy percent got allocated to business use, then you've got a three hundred dollar a month taxable benefit. Is that right? No, not exactly. But but uh, the, the taxable benefit gets a little more complicated than that. Um, it's not just the uh, the remainder of the uh, okay. of the operating cost. Okay. Okay. We don't need to get into the weeds more. I mean, I think that that I, I mean that the main thing you wanted to talk about was that in an audit, the thing that you're going to have to defend with a vehicle is mileage tracking. Correct. Yes. And yeah. and this I mean, app is when, actually uh, this is an easy way to do it. Whenever you look at any of these expenses, receipts, receipts, receipts. Yeah. Um, you know, so many people, well, I put it on my visa. Um, I've got track on, I, I, I had an electronic payment. It's, it's on my bank statement. Um, if you don't have receipts to back up these expenses, CRA can simply deny them. Yeah. So I know it's a pain, um, but keep your receipts, guys. 
uh, I remember years ago, um, in, in my early years, uh, when I was working with my mom and dad, um, we had a trucker and this trucker just was terrible keeping his receipts. <laughs> and finally, my mom, who was the office manager at that time, she got an ice cream bucket and she cut a slot in the lid of this empty ice cream bucket and gave it to the trucker and said, shove every receipt in this ice cream bucket. Right. And, and the guy came back to us a month later with his ice cream bucket, just jammed full of receipts. And he was like, this is the best thing ever. That's amazing. And really what it comes down to is find a system that works for you to keep the receipts. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to, I want to be mindful of your time, but I also want to just touch on, we're coming into tax season. Um, which I can, I can just feel the excitement in you about taxi. You know, you're just, it's like, it's like Christmas morning for, for an accountant. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Great. Long um, hours. Thank yeah. you, client. Long hours. I'm paying how much tax? This is your fault. Um, so what, what do we say? I mean, we, we've obviously, you know, you just nailed it. You said, Hey, like systems receipts. I think it goes without saying, uh, to really do this right proper bookkeeping, reconciliation at the end of every month so that, you know, you're not uh, jamming all this work into the last minute before you're tax, you know, in tax season. But what are, um, how do I word this? If we just said, okay, here's the things to be aware of um, in tax season for specifically for real estate agents, is there things that jump out to you that you say get missed or aren't thought of? You know, and, and we've talked a lot about the, you know, the warning signs here, like, oh, be mm -hmm. careful of this, be careful of this. But like one yep. thing I'm thinking of specifically is like, you know, uh, the uh, talk about what can we write off in terms of uh, in-home office expenses. Mm -hmm. We've all been yep. working from home for yep. the last two years and some people are yep. never going to have an office again. So what are some things that we should be aware of in that? You know, Andrew, um, this, this is great part of the conversation here. Uh, often when I'm working with small businesses, there's a couple things that I tell people. Number one, you should have a separate bank account for your business if mm -hmm. you're unincorporated. Um, many people will simply run it all through a personal bank account. The benefit of a separate bank account is that if you become slightly disciplined and say, listen, all my income, my commissions goes into that bank account. If I have business expenses, I pay them out of that bank account. Yeah. The nice thing about that is when, if you can get disciplined in that, it means that at the end of the year, when you go through that, those bank statements and, and summarize them, there's your deductible expenses because I paid them out of that account. Yeah, it's so easy. If you have, if you have everything combined, it gets really hard to go back at the end of the year and find all these deductible expenses and, and likely you're missing some of them. So separate bank account is, is huge. And I, and I, I want to say yeah. one more thing to that. Separate credit card yeah. too. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that. You're okay, bang on. Okay, because it's the same principle, right? Yeah. I often tell people, um, get two credit cards. Not, not, you don't have to get a credit card in the name of your business. Even if you're incorporated, that credit card doesn't need to be in the name of your corporation. But if you have a credit card that you use primarily for business and one that you use primarily for personal, at the point of purchase is when you know what you were buying. You put it on the business card because it was business. You put it on mm -hmm. the personal card when it was personal. Yeah. When it comes time to pay that bill, pay the business uh, credit card out of the business account. Mm -hmm. Again, you just got a record of it. Totally. Yep. Um, you did, you did just touch on however, uh, office and home. Yeah. I think that's worth, uh, that's worth highlighting for sure. So when you think about office and home for a proprietor, an unincorporated person, 
it's very similar to that whole vehicle discussion where you say, what are all the operating costs of my home? All the mortgage interest, all the insurance, all the repairs and maintenance, all the utilities, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Put those into a pot and then based on square footage, how big is my office space, my dedicated office space mm-hmm. versus my whole home? And you can deduct that portion of those operating costs. So, and what what's like a, I mean, okay, so an office is like, let's say an average office is 100 to 150 square feet yep. within a yep. home, right? So, yep. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about a massive, you know, typical home, 2,500, 3,000 feet, let's say on average. I mean, I know there's bigger ones out there, but then we're, then yep. we're, we're talking about 5% of the yep. costs of the home, something like that, give yep. or take. Yep. A- and, and you know what? I say to people in that case, listen, even if it's only 5% of the operating costs of your home, I know that with a bottle of wine and one evening, you can figure out even at the end of the year, almost all of those costs. Property taxes, most often one bill or yeah. it's a monthly bill. So that's easy. Yeah. Insurance, one bill. Mortgage yeah. interest. You got a statement from the bank. You know what that is. Your utilities, it's two or three statements. Most of them are equal billing. You got them. Like really, this is not hard stuff to accumulate mm-hmm. to be able to hand to your accountant and get a deduction of 5% of those costs or 10% of those costs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not that hard. So that's that one can be easily overlooked because it's not getting paid out of that business bank account. Yeah. Is there any other, like other than the, the home office one, I think became incredibly relevant just given the last two years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is is there any other, um, I don't know, high level or like things right now that people maybe need to be aware of coming into this next tax season where it's like been a, chi- a shift or a change or anything like that? Boy, nothing comes directly to mind at this point, Andrew. I'm sorry that I'm not jumping on anything. No, that's fine. I, I, I believe uh, that organization, and you know, it's easy for me to say I'm, I'm kind of that anal organized kind of guy, but but organization of your stuff, your receipts, your, and not just your business side of things, donations, medical expenses, mm-hmm. RSPs, those kind of things. Keep those receipts uh, because all of those can be helpful in reducing your tax uh, obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it say, I okay, sorry, I, I just want to, on, on those topics. So my experience, I want to see if you agree with this. I think you're going to, but like what, what changed my life you, many years ago uh, I started in the first few years of my career, I was working with you, but I was an unorganized mess. And what changed my life is getting a bookkeeper. Um, oh, so, so you're not an unorganized mess anymore. No, I am. I'm saying? dialed, but I'm dialed. I'm <laughs> dialed because of the skill and ability of those around me. Not because yeah. I'm not, and yeah. I've had to learn, you know, you unlearn yeah. bad habits, you learn new habits and you know, what's that? There's a great quote in uh, that book, Atomic Habits. Uh, we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And, mm. and so for many years, I had goals of being incredibly organized and all this thing, yeah. but it wasn't until I put systems in place that everything got easy. And the system really is like, I mean, a bookkeeper who's skilled and knowledgeable and who can help you yeah. reconcile on a monthly basis yeah. Then when you get to the end of your tax year, whatever that is, whether it's the fiscal year or a calendar year or fiscal different year, um, yeah. it, it's a walk in the park. Like it's done. The, the, yeah. the work is done because you've got your systems and you're just following your systems. Um, yeah. and, and that, and I mean, I know you've had this and I, I think I maybe even did this with you one year where somebody walks in and 
it's the 11th hour and you go, oh, I haven't done anything. And then you dump everything on your accountant's desk. And now you're paying premium dollars to have your accountant mm -hmm. sort through all this stuff versus mm -hmm. paying cheap dollars, relatively speaking, throughout the year to have the same work done in a, in a way more relaxed fashion. I couldn't agree more with what you've said, Andrew. Um, having a bookkeeper look after keeping that, that information current, classified, and bring it to your accountant that way is going to make a big difference. The other thing that it does for your accountant is your, what you want your accountant to do is help save you tax. Mm -hmm. And if all their time is just trying to get your bookkeeping done and, and get stuff classified, their attention is not able to be on the most important thing for you, which is save you tax. Right. And so by having that bookkeeper do the classification and bring things in in good shape, that means your accountant can then look at those and say, now, how can I best serve Andrew and look after his tax situation? Because I've got records that are coming to me in good shape already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. I think we've, I think we've come full circle. I can't, I can't think, is there anything else we, uh, we, we haven't hit on that we need to hit on? What do you think? No, I, I have a good Andrew Breakswell story, though. Oh, Am I allowed this, to tell an you Andrew know, Breakswell story? This is the part. This, is, this was not in the agreement. This was not. Yeah. <laughs> Go I didn't ahead. Get that agreement. Did you, Go did you ahead. send that on DocuSign? Yeah. I didn't get that one. Well, you know what? I, I'll come up with my own story. We'll see what yours is like. And then we'll. <laughs> and, then we'll and I mean, if I need to make something up, I'll just make it up. <laughs> this is a good story. This is a good story. Okay. So, Go ahead. So for, for many years, uh, pre-COVID, we would, we would set appointment dates for people, our personal tax clients, to come in to bring in their information, sit down with me, and bring their information in just to go over it together. Yes. And, okay, um, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Many years ago, Andrew, we had that appointment set aside. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. And, uh, and you, you arrived for your appointment, not a stitch of paperwork. Just a really nice bottle of scotch. And you, you sat down, you, you came into the meeting room and you sat down and you said, Jeff, I decided that you must be stressed today. So we're not going to use this for income taxes. We're just going to sit here and drink scotch. <laughs> and we did. We did. Yeah, we did. We, we did, totally yeah. did. Yeah. I felt I had to explain to every client after that why I was smelling of scotch. But yeah. other than that, it was a really yeah. good moment. I, I actually want to say... It was a, I want to say it was a Glenn Morangi. Uh, yeah, it was a good one. I think it was a Glenn Morangi. And uh, well, yeah, like I always felt like um, I've, I've always enjoyed those meetings, but I felt, I know that the, the, the intent of the meeting from your perspective was for the client to walk in with everything that you've highlighted in the previous email saying, please show up with it, like with this. My interpretation of the meeting, it was like, well, we just get to go and hang out and tell stories and talk about how the year was. That, 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 that's, and then, you know, we'll get the paperwork and crap like that later. But that's, that's how I always yeah. looked at those meetings. And uh, I don't know. I, th I, well, I, I think we did them pretty well. I, I think we did. That was, that was a good memory for me, Andrew. Uh, and and uh, it was a nice break in the middle of a busy tax season. So. Well, and I know you, yeah, I mean, tax season for uh, a busy accountant who takes their job seriously is a... Uh, that's a stressful time. So I was just trying yeah. to create a break in the stress. That's all. Oh, hey, thanks. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, I, thanks for allowing me to do this with you. Yeah. And I am sincerely appreciative of your time and your wisdom and all that you have to offer. I know that, um, you know, the people uh, within our company are going to benefit from this greatly. And I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for, yeah, your wisdom and your willingness to do this. Well, thanks. And if there's anything I can do to help your crew there, if there's guys that uh, people that realtors that want to reach out and uh, let me know. 
Totally. We will do that. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks. Okay. Thanks. You too.